Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Our business is public relations, coaching, and strategy. If you are in the market for communication road mapping, media relations, social and digital branding, coaching and event preparation, or any other services that you think we can be of value, please reach out at www.provisionadvisors.net. Hey, hey, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I am John Schofield, your host. Joining me, as always, is Ward Carroll, the co-host and our special guest from the sports department of the Capital Gazette newspaper, uh, sailing aficionado, surfer. He's like he's like uh, uh, Patrick Swayze in Point Break, Bill Wagner um, of the Capital Gazette. Thank you so much to both of you and to our intrepid producer, Chris Cervello, for joining me as part of season two of the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Uh, here we are. We went on summer sabbatical, and now we're back as part of the preseason ramp-up to the football season. But as we will hear from our first guest of season two, Karen Gabera, the head coach of the women's soccer team, there are other sports starting as we emerge from the summer, emerge from COVID, and get things back to normal. So um, I will start off by throwing it over to Ward Carroll. Uh, Ward, you know, catch us up. What did you do this summer? Um, catch us up on your YouTube uh, sensation and you know what you're most looking forward to in this coming season. So, yeah, the YouTube growth of my Ward Carroll channel uh, pretty much dominated my personal headlines. Um, it was explosive and, and overwhelming, to be honest. Um, so that is a thing. Um, I went from 250 subscribers to 111,000 subscribers in about 90 days. And um, I'm nurturing it now. I'm keeping the beast fed with two episodes a week at least. And that, you know, that takes a lot of cycles uh, of, of my creative bandwidth. And it's fun um, and feels kind of like a responsibility at some level. Um, but it's, uh, it's, taken off. And so if a listener uh, is into particularly aviation, naval aviation, I think they would enjoy it. Or if they like our repartee here, they might enjoy it. Um, so check it out. Um, secondarily, um, in my day job at the Naval Institute up here on Hospital Point, um, I briefed every one of the new plebes uh, about uh the Navy and the Marine Corps and what they're into as I do every summer, except I didn't last summer because of COVID. So it was great to be face-to-face -face with them. And we actually used the Jack C. Taylor Conference Center, which hasn't even had a ribbon cutting yet, 406 seat auditorium. So it was a lot better than cramming people into the boardroom. Um, so that was, that was fun. And it was it's always energizing and motivating to see the new class come in and they're sweaty and we give them a Gatorade and a Cliff Bar and send them on their way. So I did that. It was great to be back to quote unquote normal with, with that. And also we host an internship here. In fact, the last day of the third block is today. So our interns uh, will be leaving us. It's like kids going back to school. So the summer has gone fast around the yard. Tomorrow is reform. Um, and then classes start on Monday. It seems like where did the summer go kind of thing. This weekend, just as a side note, the class of 24 is actually going to climb Herndon. 
Um, and or maybe it's the class of twenty three. Yeah, the class of twenty three is going to climb. Yeah, twenty three. Um, you know, and they had tried to beg off on it, um, and uh, a few of us said, "You're going to regret that." You know, forty years later, how do I know this? If you, you know, because Hernan is a signature event, just like the tower jump, just like an Army Navy game. Um, so I'm I'm glad that they made the right call. I'm going to actually go watch them. It'll start at thirteen hundred on Sunday for locals. I believe it's a public event. Um, and uh, so that's happening. Good for them. And then we're off and running into the football season, which we'll talk about at length. So that's kind of what my summer has looked like. Awesome. Now, before I kick it over to Bill Wagner, you know, Chris Cervello, say you weren't class of 99, you were class of 23. Would you beg out of trying to do the Herndon climb? I know I would, but I'm just scum from Villanova. I think I would be torn, John. Um, I think at first you may want to beg out, but I, I think towards point when you get there with your classmate, I mean, your classmates, are your classmates, right? Whether you're a plebe or whether you're a first year, or whether you're an old guy like Ward and I, um, that, you know, that's, that's your family. And so when you get in that scrum, when you start climbing up that, uh, that monument, I, I think you're going to feel in the moment. And I think you're certainly going to be happy that you did it when it all is said and done. Yeah, I, to, let me just follow up with what Chris said, because this is my pitch to the class that I saw, because they were still on the fence. Um, and, and this is the thing that literally 20 years from now, there will be an asterisk on your class. You know, you're in the fleet and there's some ball busting going on in a ready room or a wardroom. And you say, yeah, I'm class of 23. Like, oh, you're the class that never climbed Herndon. You didn't have a real Naval Academy experience. So you don't want that. It's courageous to go, yeah, we weathered. COVID and we climbed Herndon a year or so later, that that's a great story. Skipping it is a bad story. So I'm glad they made the right call. <laughs> I'll, I'll save my, uh, yeah, I've got all sorts of witty repartee ready for that for future conversations. Wags, um, why don't you catch us up? You know, how's it going? How was your summer? Um, your, your tan is just beautiful as you are oft bronzed in your, in your getaway house at Ocean City. Catch us up, and what are you looking forward to the most this coming season on this podcast? Thanks, John. Well, first and foremost, uh, hearing Ward talk about his YouTube podcast, and we've all been aware of the success he's having, it speaks to the talent that we have on the show, and that's what I think people like, is we have four very talented people in their own rights. And for those that don't know, John Schofield and Chris Cervello, our, our SWAL producer, have a company called Provision Advisors, which is very successful. These are two accomplished public relations experts who worked in public affairs in the United States Navy for years. And now in their retirement, they have a consulting company that does quite well. So Ward with Naval Institute and his YouTube channel and other side projects. And then there's just little old me, a poor uh, newspaper reporter. But uh, the big news um, is that since we last did a podcast, a horrible, evil company named Alden Global Capital took over the Tribune company. So the Capital newspaper, which is a part of the Baltimore Sun Media Group, all of us are now owned by Alden Global Capital, which is a hedge fund. And they do not care one bit about journalism. They don't care about the communities, the newspapers they own serve. So the very first announcement Alden made one day after officially closing on the the purchase of the Tribune Company was buyouts. And we came to find out later that the 
Uh, certain people were told that if you don't take buyouts, you could very well be laid off. A lot of those turned out to be managers. So after all in global capital took over, the, we lost a significant amount of people at both the Baltimore Sun and the Capital newspaper. Yours truly considered taking the buyout very seriously. Uh, but I love journalism. I love covering Navy athletics. And I just love what I do. It's the only thing I've done for 32 years. So I did not take the buyout. Uh, I've come to regret it on some levels because my workload has increased. I'm back to, in many ways, being the de facto sports editor of the Capitol since we have no one else. Our previous sports editor, Tim Schwartz, was brought to the Sun to fill a vacancy that took place there due to a buyout. So more bad news on the front for journalism in general and in community newspapers like the Capitol in particular. The good news is, yes, John, I bought a condo at the beach, something I've been talking about for years and delaying and delaying, saying, well, how often will I use it? I work so much. Well, guess what? Once you have it, you use it. I've spent a lot of time at the beach this summer, riding my beach cruiser up and down coastal highway, getting back into surfing, something I enjoyed in my younger years and had kind of abandoned, um, walking the beach and just generally enjoying an active lifestyle. I've lost 15 pounds. I feel great. So that's the positive news to counter the negative of Alton Global Cap. Well, Wags, we, as always, appreciate the opportunity for you to, to, to come on here and, and give your expertise, your years and years and years of covering Navy sports, particularly Navy football. And I would encourage all of our listeners, as we do all the time, to, to please read Wags' stuff on the Capital Gazette online. You know, and please do, do your part to, you know, to value the importance of local journalism. As, as a loyal reader of the Capitol, I think I'm one of like seven people who still gets a paper version of the Capitol delivered to his home. Um, yeah, just do whatever you can to support this. And, and on the subject of su support, uh, I would be remiss if I did not thank our uh, sponsors of Sing Second Sports this, for this coming year. We uh, you know, certainly love doing this as a hobby, but it's always better to have sponsorship. And we thank our uh, sponsors at the Naptown Scoop and at Dry D5 and Red Red Wine Bar in downtown Annapolis. Thank you to both of those entities for supporting this podcast so that we can continue to bring you the very best sports coverage, particularly Wags's acumen, um, as I said, derived from years and years of experience. Before we go to break, Chris, and welcome Karen Gabera on as our first guest of season number two as she was uh, guest number one of season number one. Uh, catch us up. What was your summer like and what are you looking forward to most? I can't wait to go to a football game with fans in the stands and, you know, do a little tailgating there at Navy Marine Corps and, and see old, old friends, um, you know, looking forward to traveling up to, uh, to Annapolis a few times in the fall for, for games. Um, summer was, uh, was busy with kids doing, uh, doing activities, uh, played, uh, golf as much as I could and, you know, went, went to the beach, um, bridging back to the podcast. I did enjoy seeing some of the athletes that we got to know throughout season one. Um, you know, what their new life as ensigns and second lieutenants look like. I enjoyed tracking the, uh, the Cam Kinley saga. We'll talk more about that in our, uh, um, our final segment, but um, no, it was just, it was a great summer. Good to recharge batteries and uh, look forward to, uh, to getting back into uh, both football, soccer, uh, you know, fall sports and podcasting season. Here, here to that. I agree. Um, I'll give a short summary. My summer was very, 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 very boring. Um, 
but uh, yeah, just kind of hung out, uh, went to the beach, actually went to Ocean City, something I vowed I would never do again, but I actually did do. And, uh, and yeah, the same thing, kids in sports camps, you know, my oldest getting ready to, uh, to go to college next year, which makes me feel horribly old. Um, but yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're just looking forward to a, a normal sports season and, and, uh, nothing will make that feel quite as good as the old women's soccer O-Rep, uh, as the very first, uh, big event will be on August 19th. Uh, right there on the yard um, at the Glen Warner Soccer Facility as women's soccer takes on Loyola Marymount. Uh, we are going to go to break really quick. And when we come back, we will talk to our first guest of season number two. Like I said, she was our first guest of season number one. So let's run it back, as they say, uh, Karen Gabera. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 in downtown Annapolis. Coming to town for a football game? Is it your class reunion? Or are you just looking for a place to hang out on a Friday or Saturday evening? Red Red Wine Bar and Dry 85 are staples in the Annapolis Main Street scene. Whether you're in the mood for a good Cabernet at the wine bar or an old fashioned and a Dry 85 burger, both locations will take care of you. Thank you to Brian and Lisa Boulder the owners of both establishments for being fantastic sponsors of the Naval Academy, Naval Academy Sports, and the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, our first guest this season and today uh, is Navy women's soccer head coach Karen Gabera. Uh, Karen arrived at the Naval Academy in 1993. Um, and has led the uh, women's program ever since, very successfully. Uh, Chris Cervello and I were so very lucky to make the drive down to Wilson, North Carolina, which I think, Chris, I, allow me to take the words out of your mouth, was very scenic, very scenic Wilson, North Carolina, in order to watch the uh, women's team take on the New Mexico Lobos. I remember it very well, walking onto the field in the first minute. In fact, I think it was in, within 40 seconds of kickoff that Navy scored to go up one nil. And then if everyone, if anyone remembers from last year, uh, New Mexico tied it, uh, very questionable offsides, uh, and then one in PKs, but we're ready to run it back with the Navy women's team. And the season, as we record this on August 18th, starts tomorrow at Glen Warner against Loyola Marymount. So, uh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, it, it just catch us up. How's, how's it, how's it going so far? How are the plebes? Um, you know, working their way in and what are the biggest losses from last year's firsties that you're going to have to replace in order to be successful, not only against LMU, but for the rest of the season. Yeah. Thanks gentlemen. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on Sing Second Sports. It's been um, great to be a part of this in the past and super excited moving forward. Um, the summer's been, been very good. You know, it was interesting. The mids got back to their summer cruises and they got to do things they weren't able to do the previous summer. So they were really busy. Um, it does feel like the time off was very short because we had a, a longer fall with less games and then a, a longer spring without a break. So um, it feels like we're right back at it. And we actually have two classes right now that have never had a preseason with double days and living together in the dorms. Um, so um, that's been a little bit of a challenge getting used to all that, but uh, the preseason went very well. We have 10 freshmen who are, we're going to integrate pretty quickly and a great leadership core of five seniors. So 
we're super excited to get back at it. And I think the, the biggest thing is we're excited to have the community support, to have midshipmen in the stands, to have the community involved, to have ball boys and ball girls and, you know, just, just to make it community wide, like the Naval Academy likes to do, because we miss that. We miss that part. We're able to have mids at, at some of our games last year, but just to have the whole experience back is going to be very exciting for us. Um, and back to your question, John, I don't, I don't feel like we replace classes. Every class is completely different and unique, um, especially in their leadership style and capabilities. And the senior class sets the tone for us. So, uh, every year is a little bit different and we try not to replace, we try to, uh, just start anew. And that's what we've been doing this class. You know, they didn't have the chance to put their single stamp on this team in the spring because we still had the seniors last year, which was different for us, but they're doing so now the leadership's been great and we're super excited to kick off and get underway. Well, I am excited to be there. I will be there tomorrow night and we'll bring our sing second sports, uh, social media followers, some pictures and updates. Um, I love that the season is back again and, and, you know, not just women's soccer, not just football, all of the sports, all of the normalcy. Wags, take it from here, please. Good to see you, Karen. Great to see you too. So I'm curious, would it, is this the earliest season opener in Navy women's soccer history? Mid August seems early to me, but I don't, maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, no, it's generally around here. There, there's a, uh, a certain formula you, you use that's uh, based off of your when classes start and when your first game is. So uh, we're always a week before the men. So I think I know we were in the same uh, same week last year. So it, it's been pretty consistent. It has bumped back through the years, but it's been pretty consistent. So obviously last year you had two seasons worth of practices. I'm sure you know off the top of your head between the fall and spring seasons that you did, how many total practices did you get? More than is normally uh, allowed by the NCA, that I can share. So normally we have 132 days. We were over that with a lot of exemptions the NCA gave us. So, you know, to me, I feel like our team is extremely fortunate that our AD, Chad Gladchuk, allowed us to not only practice but compete in the fall because it gave some meaningful moments to the players that a lot of schools didn't have the opportunity to have. And it gave us a lot of experience. We played a lot of freshman last year. So um, I'd still call them young, but I would not call them inexperienced. Well, that's what I was kind of leading to is that the, the extra time of you, you having the spring season in particular kind of jumpstarts you right into your fall season for this year. Um, your pick to win the Patriot League, which is deserved based on the history and what you did last year. Uh, tell us your thoughts on being the favorite going into the season and what other teams we can expect to challenge. Well, I like that we're the favorite because I like that other teams come to play. I like that we have the pressure on our shoulders of performing day in and day out, and we take no game for granted because that's where the Patriot Leagues come. Um, there's a lot of parity. I think any team could beat any other team on any given day. Um, and I think, you know, you can't really hang your hat on last season because, uh, you know, we had a lot of success because our players dealt with the adversity and the challenges so well, and that's what they're trained to do with the Naval Academy. So it, it wasn't a full season. We didn't get to see every team. So it's like a whole brand new season. And, and I like that we're at the top and people are shooting for us. And I think we have to be prepared for every game. Um, there's no clear favorite. Cause like I said, I think any team can walk away with the championship this year. 
I'm seeing that you have two first-team all preseason Patriot League picks in Victoria Tran, your talented midfielder, and Avery Fry's outstanding defender. I'm going to assume I, I was looking on the uh, Navy website for an announcement. I didn't see an announcement of Navy women's captain. Uh, our cap senior captain is Carolyn Mang. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to know that. Talk a little bit about Carolyn Mang as captain, Victoria Tran, and Avery Fry's as uh, preseason all-league players. And then you can add in Molly Gilchrist and Megan Lamondola, and that kind of completes our senior class and our senior leadership. Uh, they had a they had a big role in the spring. Like our seniors last year, made sure they had a leadership role as well because we were all there and present on the team together. So um, Carolyn Mang's taken over, you know, seamlessly. A great leader. Uh, this class is very, very good at making sure they have relationships with each player and they're starting to build those and deepen those. Our preseason's difficult because the plebes go back to plebe summer when they're not with us. And, uh, you know, the upper class, they're preparing for their own season and there's various levels of fitness and, and how they feel on and off the field day in and day out. So now they're starting to mesh. We get back to classes on Monday. We have a a semblance of a schedule that they know and they get to work towards their leadership more and put their stamp on things. So um, all of them have been just fantastic to this point, because again, it was a short break. It felt like, and everybody's right back at it and having these double days all preseason that we haven't had in two years was grueling and we pushed them very, very hard. So the senior leadership has been very important and Carolyn Mang has really taken hold of that. And looking here offensively, it looks like Victoria was your leading scorer last year, then Chloe Dawson and Caitlin Duran, and those two are back. You lose Christina D, um, but can you talk about your offensive firepower? You feel good about what you got uh, attacking? Yeah, I feel really good. We have a lot of freshman forwards coming in, um, which was our goal to add some in that position because we had less players there than other spots. Um, but ultimately, we don't like to rely on one player in our attack or defense. And that's kind of the way we've always coached and the way our program's been is everybody has to step up. I think we're very good as a team. We play well as a team in attack. We play well as a team in defending. And we like that a different player has to step up each game and be the one that takes over that game. So uh, we don't like to just have one goal scorer because then that's easy for other teams to shut down. We have a lot of diversity in our attack. Uh, we're very good on set pieces and we play a very compact soccer so that we all get into attack together. So we've been focusing a lot on the transitional moments and, and getting our new play, players acclimated to the pace and the level. So real quickly, before I turn it over to Ward for a couple questions, do you care to mention any plebes that you think might impact Navy women's soccer this year? Well, we have 10, like I said. So I think they're all going to be impactful. Uh, that remains to be seen. We've got to get them into game situations. We've got to get them into live 11v11s. We haven't had as much of a chance as fall to do that yet. Uh, so once we do that, we'll have a better handle on things. But they're all very important um, in many different ways. Hey, Coach, let me take it to 30,000 feet, go big picture. What are your thoughts in the wake of the Olympics and the performance of the USA women's soccer team? You know, a lot of eyes on them, uh, and it's very hard to stay at the top. It's very hard to consistently win. It's very hard when every other team is after you and you're number one over and over again. And I don't think any team has ever won um, an Olympics on the on the back of a winning a world championship. So um, it was a hard Olympics for them. It, you had all the COVID issues and all the stuff leading up to it. But I'm really happy about their resilience. I'm happy about 
the fact that they came out with a medal, the fact that they cared so much and every medal is important. Not everybody gets a medal at the Olympics. Not everybody gets a chance to be on that podium. Um, it's hard to win day in and day out and they're used to winning and they're the way they uh, handled that and the way they came back fighting was, was excellent. So, um, you know, they have a lot of players a little bit older, I think will probably retire and move on. I know Carly Lloyd's already announced her retirement. So, uh, you know, I think as, as U.S. Women's National Team, the program, the goal is always to be number one in the world and always to win. So they're probably a little bit disappointed they didn't have their best performance, but they're happy to come away with the bronze. Thanks. Um, and welcome back. And as John said, we're looking forward to a great season here in Annapolis. So I, I implored uh, the group here, particularly Chris Cervello, who has uh, a daughter who's kind of a fierce center back uh, in her own right down there in Florida to, to watch the Sisters of 96 documentary, um, which chronicled the you know, 1996 women's uh, soccer team as it got gold and it wasn't even, the game wasn't even televised. So, you know, spoiler alert, they have like Ju Julie Foudy and McMillan and yeah, you know, like you weren't there, Karen, Mia wasn't there, Michelle Akers wasn't there, uh, but they had a good collection of, of, you know, that team, Brianna Scurry, um, just watching the game from the University of Georgia football field, um, you know, and kind of giving hot takes and, and observations and remembrances. What's your recollection of that game? Because it happened in 96. You're a sub late on. You're on the field when the final whistle blows. I've got a screenshot of you getting the gold medal, uh, you know, after the game, which we're going to use in our uh, social media prepping this pod. Don't worry. It's a good photo. Like, and at the same time, you were the head coach of a division. Well, it was about to be a division one uh, program. Like you had a lot on your plate. What, what is your recollection of that time? Yeah. And John, we were division one. We went division one in 93. So. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah. Right. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I actually watched part of that um, show because someone told me, you know, about it and I, I hadn't known it was released and it's the first time I watched that game first time I saw it live because we don't have it since it wasn't on tv it, you know it's not something all of us have in our collection of games so um every time I hear that song they play when you walk out on the field the olympic song it brings me right back so in some ways it feels like forever ago because it was but in some ways it feels like just yesterday so um I love watching the olympics the athletes of all different sports it's it's just such a great experience um, that game was unbelievable. It was, you know, one of the moments I remember most is after winning the semi, um, we were waiting around the locker room. We had to do drug testing and do a bunch of other stuff. And I just, it hit me that we were going to win a medal, either silver or gold. And, you know, you don't go into those events as, a, as an elite athlete, just thinking about the medals, you're going about your best performance, thinking about, especially with team sports, how do you help your team? What can you do to help your team? How do you help your team succeed? And, um, we'd been playing together for a very long time at that point. So our, our eyes weren't on the actual award at that point, but was just finishing strong. So realizing I was going to get a medal, it, it was surreal. And for, I believe over 90,000 fans to wait in the stadium for all the stuff that happens in the locker room before you get the medals was unbelievable. When we walked back out, they were all still in their seats and that doesn't happen very often. And they were all American fans because we were in Georgia. So, um, you know, I loved every part of that event from game one to, to the last game till after we won and we stayed and we went downtown Atlanta for a while. Uh, just the Olympics is such an incredible event. And it's, it's, there's so many um, people that, that give time and donate and it's it just a wonderful start to finish event. So it was 
I'm happy that Tokyo happened and I was, I'm very grateful to have been a part of 1996. Well, that, I think that's really well said and I never miss an opportunity to try to remind people, you know, future recruits, people interested in the Naval Academy, people who just like soccer. Um, you know, you don't remember the name Jennings as much as you remember the names Ham or Acres or things like that. Well, you should, uh, because you were an elite athlete, you're a gold medalist and, you know, people who come to play soccer at the Naval Academy, all Naval Academy students who are around, you know, these, these coaches and staff of character and consequence, you, you were an athlete of consequence, of great consequence back then, Karen. And, and uh, I just thought it was neat. So if, if you're out there and you want to watch a great documentary, it's called the sisters of 1996, I believe it is on Peacock. Uh, so please, please watch that. My last question to you, Karen, as we go out, I thank you in advance for making time here the day before your season kicks off. There's another game that's going to happen on October 2nd at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. UCF comes up here to play us. Talia, your daughter, is a soccer player at UCF. So what are you going to wear? Who are you going to root for? What's up? Uh, that's an easy answer, John. We have a game ourselves, so I won't be here. <laughs> oh, man. The Navy, politics. all the way. Hey, I, bleed, <laughs> I, I bleed blue and gold. I've been here almost 30 years, and... Um, if it was UCF women's soccer, I'd be a little torn, but I'm not. It's UCF football, and I, I'm all in for Navy's success 100% of the time. Take that, Talia Guevara. Take that. Uh, Wags, take us out. Well, real quickly, uh, first two games for Navy, uh, obviously tomorrow against Loyal Marymount, and then on August 22nd, Sunday, at versus George Washington, our home. Karen, can you tell the fans – or what's what's permissible this year? Are fans coming to Glen Warner to watch games? Are there restrictions? They have to wear masks. What have you been told about fan attendance? Uh, fans are very welcome, and we'd love to have everybody. We're back to 100% normal. Our shuttle buses are running, um, and I believe you have to wear a mask on the shuttle bus. But other than that, it, there's no restrictions. And then lastly, I see that on August 29th, the following Sunday, you're playing at University of Maryland. My friend Ray Leone's the coach up there, uh, Anne Arundel County Sports Hall of Famer, a great guy. And, you know, Maryland women's soccer has kind of been up and down, up and down. I remember when great old mill player Michelle Salmon played there. But um, does that do you expect that to be a pretty good rivalry in state rivalry match? Yeah, we'd love to have, a, you know, consistent yearly rivalry with them. It doesn't always work out with both of our conference schedules, but we this is probably the fifth or sixth time we played them, and it's always an excellent, entertaining game. We'd love to go up there. Great field, great facility. All right, fantastic. So good to have you on. Thanks so much. All right, okay. Karen, thank you so much. Again, I'll see you uh, out there tomorrow night. Good luck against Loyola Marymount. Good luck this year, and thank you again for joining Six Second Sports. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Navy Women's Soccer head coach Karen Gabera, gold medalist um, and and rooting for Navy against UCF on October 2nd. I love it. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, Ward, Wags, and I will take us out. This is Sing Second Sports. This week's episode of Sing Second Sports is brought to you by the Naptown Scoop, local news with a personality. The Naptown Scoop is our go-to resource for events, news, music listings, and more. Follow Naptown Scoop on Instagram at Naptown Scoop, N-A-P-T-O-W-N-S-C-O-O-P, and subscribe to receive the Scoop newsletter at www.naptownscoop.com. 
Thank you again to Naptown Scoop for being a fantastic supporter of the Naval Academy, Naval Academy Sports, and the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, hey, we are back at the Sing Second Sports Podcast brought to you by your loyal sponsors, the Naptown Scoop and Dry 5 and Red Red Wine Bar. We are taking this baby out, and I'm going to start it off by asking the collective group, um, you know, what they're tracking uh, and looking forward to on the horizon. I'll start it off. Among the things that has happened in the last couple of days is the drop of the September 11th uniform uh, for the Air Force game. Pretty interesting design. Um, I personally, hot take here, I love the helmet. I do not like the rest of it. You know, what do you guys think? I'll start with you, Chris Cervello. I mean, I think it's fine. It doesn't really, I'm not a Marine, so it doesn't really like jazz me up, but I mean, I don't, I don't have any major criticism for, for it. Um, I, I'd be happy if we just beat Air Force. So may, maybe that, that's where my bar is. I don't really care what the uniform looks like. I understand why they did it. I thought the rollout was great, but um, more focused on just playing well against Marshall and then beating Air Force. I should think so. Ward, what's the skinny there? How do you feel about it? No, I think it's fine. Um, you know, we're used to flashy, maybe even at times garish uh, looks going into signature games. Um, you know, I'm a son of a Marine, the father of a Marine, the brother of a Marine. So uh, I'm, I'm good with the Semper Fi, and it's true to the dress blues for sure. Um, so, you know, does it match, uh, you know, the, tr- the normal look? No, not at all. Um, and to your point, will the chain gang be getting some swag associated with that particular game? We'll find out when Bill Givens gives us our box of stuff in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I, as a side note, I'm not going to be at that game. I'm going to be out in Reno at the Taylor convention. I got a classmate standing in for that one game, but, um, for which I'm, I'm, you know, a little disappointed. I mean, it's going to be a huge game. You know, and and uh, there'll be a whole lot of fanfare and so forth and so on. Uh, so I hate to miss it, but uh, I have a another equal commitment. But uh, yeah, bottom line is I, I think it's it, it's okay. It's it's fine. A lot of our listeners, for the record, really are big fans of the uniform drop for the for the chain gang crew. They uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. So uh, wags. To you, uh, number one, what were your feelings on the uniform? And then I'll let you have the first take on issue number two as we go out. Uh, Some news in and around the uh, professional career of Cam Finley. Go ahead. Well, first of all, John, you mentioned uh, Ward sending an email asking about his uh, swag. No, at Navy Football Media Day last Saturday, he was already buttonholing Bill Givens. When's the swag coming in? So now Ward is on it. He does not miss an opportunity to check on his swag. Um, with regard to the uniforms, I think it was to be expected. This is a really unique event. They've moved the game up a month from its normal playing date so that it coincides with September 11th. And, uh, you know, two service academies are playing against each other on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So it makes sense that they were going to do something unique. Remember that last year, Air Force kind of pulled a surprise by wearing those red tail uniforms, which I'm not sure if Navy was. Well, I guess they did announce it in advance, but they didn't coordinate with Navy to say, hey, you want to wear some specialty uniforms, too. They just kind of 
dropped this on Navy. So Air Force is dropping its specialty uniforms for this game tomorrow. Look for that on Thursday. Um, so that both teams will be wearing specialty uniforms. Be interesting what, what Air Force comes up with. They might as well wear their red tail uniforms. They wore them once last year. They could wear them again. Why spend the money? But um, I know how much Navy equipment manager Greg Morgan Thaler and Under Armour put into this. It's 16 to 18 months of creative work and design and back and forth. And it has to be approved by Chuck Gladchuck, the athletic director. It has to be approved by the superintendent of the Naval Academy. They've had other design ideas rejected, uh, sometimes not by Chet, but by the suit. So I'm never, ever going to criticize because I know how much work goes into it. I know they're doing it for ultimately the players. The players love it. Uh, Jackson Perkins, the great defensive end, who's now a graduate and is serving as the TAD. He's on temporary assignment duty at the academy, helping with football. They dressed him up in the uniform and sent him into the new auditorium at the uh, physical mission center. And the players went crazy, whooping and hollering when they saw him walk in wearing that new uniform. So the kids love it. Um, and it's good for Navy football and recruiting when you do stuff like this. So I, I got no issues with it. Uh, with regard to Cameron Kinley, what an ongoing saga that was. Uh, originally, acting secretary of the Navy rejected the request of both Cameron Kinley and baseball player Charlie Connolly to pursue pro sports. He didn't, he didn't even forward their request to the Department of Defense uh, like the Air Force and Army secretaries did. He just made a command decision at his level. This was not going to happen. So he wouldn't even forward their requests. And when they informed Cam Kinley and Charlie Conley of this decision, they told them there was no avenue for appeal. It turns out that was not true. There was an avenue for appeal. And Cameron Kinley took that avenue for appeal. And the decision was ultimately reversed. The Secretary of the Navy, the Acting Secretary of the Navy, was forced to forward their request up to the Secretary of Defense. The Secretary of Defense then approved Cameron Kinley to play pro sports. He was decommissioned because he commissioned at, at Navy graduation. He decommissioned, went into the Ready Reserve, and then attended Tampa Bay training camp. Now, they say the NFL stands for not for long. Well, for Cam Kinley, it was really not for long. It lasted until one exhibition game. Less than 24 hours after Tampa Bay's exhibition opener, Cam Kinley was released. I talked to Cam on Monday. He's hoping to get picked up by another team. But if he doesn't, he will recommission and he will begin his track to become a naval intelligence officer. So, um, I mean, the process worked. It, I, what I worries me is that all of the politics, we had Marco Rubio sending Joe Biden letters. Um, we had another uh a member of Congress questioning the acting secretary of the Navy about this decision and asking why are Army and Air Force players being allowed to pursue the NFL and our players, Navy players, are not. So a lot of political clout was used on this issue for a player who it looks like got cut one week into preseason football. So Diego Fago is the next possible NFL player for the Navy, and he is a legit a-grade prospect, and I hope that Diego Fago's chances of playing the NFL are not hampered by what happened here with Cameron Kinley. Well, I think Wags, as usual, brings up 
the important points. And my sense with respect to the last question he posed is it absolutely will hamper Diego Fago's matrix going forward. Um, you know, it's a binary thing. Either it works out um, or it's overly complicated. I think the data set uh, since um, Keenan Reynolds uh, is biased towards the ultimately it's not successful and not worth the effort. So I think we're going to get back into the um, sort of do some hybrid a la David Robinson, two years active reserve after that, check the block kind of stuff. There's going to be few, if none of the direct to professional sports because of the lack of high vis success. Malcolm obviously is on the other side of it, has fought hard and made the 53-man roster, had some playing time. So the earned media logic behind doing this works in his case. But this, this part um, that we're seeing with Cam Kinley, um, it's just too complicated. It got too much bad press, and the PAOs on the team know, know how that plays out. And I just think it's going to be – they're going to come up with a different thing. Uh, the, the the Trump era, you know, go make millions of dollars in the locker room before the Army Navy game uh, sort of edict is 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 waning fast, and so my sense is he, he will not get the chance. Um, on a happier note, or on a more upbeat note, looking forward to the season. We heard good words at media day, and uh, as we flagged in our video summary of that event. It's a tough schedule, as our good friend Ted Carter used to say. In the AAC, there are no layups. And uh, although it's a basketball analogy, it applies to football. There are no easy games on the roster, starting with the fact that Marshall is not an easy game. As Wag said, they're predicted to win their division uh, or their conference. So, um, you know, stand by for challenges, but we have a better prepared team. We actually did spring football. And uh, coach is sounding all the right notes and all the things we heard from the players, the captains uh, sounded great. So excited for fans in the stands. Chet is very forward leaning with that. Everything we're hearing from Eric and everybody else at NAAA are like, yeah, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. And they're waiting for the other shoe to drop from Anne Arundel, Anne Arundel County or whatever. Um, but until that time, you know, folks in the lily pad and everywhere else, all of our friends, our, our loyal listeners should expect to tailgate and be in the stands as normal. And that's great news. Malcolm Perry could help Diego Fago by having a great season for the Miami Dolphins. If Malcolm Perry plays well and gets some positive publicity, that could turn things around. And we do also have the ongoing success story of Joe Cardona. And that's the last I'll say on that topic. Yeah, we'll keep our eye on it. These are great takes uh, by both of you, and and I, I feel bad for Cam. I, I hope that you know he finds success, whether it's in the fleet or or in the NFL. Um, and we'll just we'll keep you updated and and continue to cover it. One last thing as we go out, uh, Wags was also very quick on the uh, uh, hot intel that you know another neat part about the September 11th game is not just a, against Air Force. It's not just because it's earlier in the schedule. It's not just uh, September 11th anniversary or the new uniforms, 
but also uh, the possibility of ESPN game day uh, coming to us live during that event. So that'll be cool. Um, so yeah, stick with us. We'll bring you all those updates. We'll bring you all the hot takes. We'll bring you all of the info for Ward Carroll and Bill Wagner and our great producer, Chris Cervello. I am John Schofield. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments. 